This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by Cleantech's Greening the Grid through Collaboration. On internal combustion engine cars, they have diesel particulate filters. They have a few other things that can really work that kind of minimizes. It's, it's called after treatment. Now, but in these larger engines, the generators, the ships, the, uh, the tugboats, they have nothing. They don't have anything that minimizes anything. They just create unburned fuel out the yin-yang, and there's no way to prevent it. That's my target. Those guys are the ones that need to be retrofitted with a solution. Welcome to the Power Connect podcast. This is your host, Fred Davis. Episode number two of the show going down right now, and we're glad to have you on board. Huge shout out to everybody that checked out episode number one, the debut of the program last week. Great feedback, lots of good stuff there, and I want to give a huge shout out to everybody over at Clean Techs for uh, their support, and then of course a big shout out to Mr. Jonathan Grammer from U.S. Carbon Capture, also a board member over at Clean Techs for just an absolutely phenomenal first episode. And like I said, we've gotten great feedback on the show, a lot of good stuff going on there. So uh, once again, thank you to everybody that checked out episode number one, and hopefully you're along for the ride for episode number two, where we welcome the program. Tell you what, one of my favorite episodes, and look, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, ladies and gentlemen, I mean this with every fiber in my body, one of the most enjoyable and just fun podcasts I've ever done in this space, maybe ever, really, when it comes down to it, and I think when you hear this podcast, you'll agree, uh, Mr. Don Owens, founder, chairman, CEO of HNO International, HNO Green Fuels. And Mr. Don Owens, who is on a personal crusade, look, he's doing wonderful things in the hydrogen transportation space. We're going to hear from him in just a little bit about what his LEAF 2 is doing, more so for large-scale diesel engines and what it's doing to help reduce emissions and, more importantly, black carbon, which, again, he's on a personal crusade to eliminate black carbon to stop black carbon, as he says, it is an enemy of the planet. Strong words from a strong man, but he's got a tremendous story. Started out as an engineer, started out as an attorney, and then has weaved his way. And of course, he's always had an entrepreneurial streak, which you're going to hear about. But uh, just what he's doing in this space, author of the book, Burn Fuel Better, and what he's trying to do to raise awareness about black carbon, what it does to the environment, what it's doing to the glaciers, and why it is so vital that if we're going to stop climate change, we have to put a stop to black carbon emissions. And then on top of that, he's just an overall good dude. And look, we've I, I don't I don't know that I've ever laughed as much uh, in a podcast because that's just kind of the the rapport and that's just kind of the way this whole thing went down. But again, extremely knowledgeable. Uh, and again, just a it's good to hear. I mean, look, people that are in the energy space, whether it's green, uh, renewables, clean, oil and gas, whatever, are usually pretty passionate. And that's what we try to do here on the podcast. Is you want to find folks that are excited about what they're doing? Well, let's put it this way: Don Owens is extremely excited about eliminating black carbon. So without further ado, please welcome to the program from H&O Green Fuels, author of the book, Burn Fuel Better, and a one-man wrecking crew when it comes to stopping black carbon. Here is Mr. Don Owens. So I read this book, and it was all about designing this little device that you can put on your car to save gas. I I didn't know anything about black carbon. I didn't know anything about emissions. I didn't know anything about 
really anything. But I started developing this little device for my car and it worked on my car. And so uh, when I took it to the lab, because, you know, the, the, the way it worked in my car was really just kind of, I didn't really have any real proof that it worked. It just, it felt like it did. And I could do my little own testing of, of, uh, of my gas mileage. So I took it to the lab. And once I got in the lab, uh, uh, I found out that it really did work on certain, in, on certain gasoline vehicles. Uh, it was such a mess though because it would work on some vehicles didn't work on others blah 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 so it was kind of a, a hit or miss but i ended up testing diesel engines because if for no other reason i had nothing else to do because i, I was kind of at a, a a dead end with the gasoline engines and um and it turned out that i was looking for fuel economy and i didn't get fuel economy but after the lousy test that i took the, the engineer the tech at least came up to me and said, hey, listen, Don, you know this thing reduced your particulate matter emissions by almost 50%. And of course, my question was, what's particulate matter? Because I hadn't even heard of particulate matter. I didn't know what it was. And, and he didn't really know either. He, he just worked there. He said, well, you know, um, uh, it's something we measure here, right? <laughs> so uh, when I w- went home that night and looked it up on the internet, I found out that it was the major cause for lots of health problems, illnesses, air pollution, and years later, I found out that uh, that particular matter, the major component was black carbon. And so it it wasn't until years later that I made the connection between the fact that we reduced particular matter by 50%. Black carbon was a major cause for climate change. And therefore, we reduced black carbon by 50%. See, black carbon is the thing that coats the glaciers right now. It's the, it is not one of the causes. I always like to say it's the cause of, of climate change because it literally coats the glaciers and causes them to melt. And when we have melting glaciers, and everybody knows this, but when we have melting glaciers, we have climate change, we have different current, we have current changes, we have all types of different uh, elements with the weather that uh, uh, that we need the, to have these cold places that, that are beginning to turn warm. So um, uh, that's really how I discovered that black carbon was the enemy of the planet. And that's what I always like to tell people now, that black carbon is really the main thing that uh, we really need to be shooting after if we're going to have any kind of shot at addressing climate change. Yeah, well, actually, most people, when you think about climate, you think about CO2, because that's all we've ever heard, carbon yes, dioxide. Yes, yes. Okay, so that's what we've been heard. We've heard, heard that for years. And, and I'm not saying that CO2 is not, a culprit, but uh, black carbon has proven to be anywhere uh, around uh, 1,500 times worse than CO2. Now, fortunately, I didn't make that up. This is scientists that 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 uh, that know that black carbon is such a sinister thing. Now, when you talk about carbon capture, yes, these things are will help to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in the air, but what it doesn't do it doesn't stop the glaciers from melting. The thing that I really want people to understand is black carbon, which is caused by burning of fossil fuels, and we have to do it. It's not like we don't want, we, we don't want to create black carbon. We just have to create black carbon. Everything that we do creates black carbon because we burn fossil fuel. But, uh, but black carbon coats the glaciers. CO2 doesn't cause the glaciers to melt. All right. I mean, you know, you can have CO2 in the air and it's going to be more, it's going to, it's going to kind of warm up things, 
But everybody knows that fifteen that, that black carbon is fifteen hundred times worse. You know, we get the black carbon from the burning of, of, of fossil fuels. So how do, how is it created? And what's the biggest difference between black carbon and carbon dioxide? And CO2. Okay. Well, both are actually created during the burning of fossil fuel. Sure, 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 sure. CO2 is produced by burning fossil fuel also. What happens and what black carbon is and what distinguishes it from, from CO2 is that black carbon is unburned fuel. See, particulate matter is really fuel that is not burned completely. If you burn it completely, you would have just CO2 and water. But the reality is that no engine can burn anything that fast. So it can't burn everything. And so what black carbon is and what particulate matter is, is the portion of the fuel that is not burned at all. And so because it's not burned, it ends up coming into the atmosphere and coating the glaciers and everything else. Now, hydrogen, and one of the things that I discovered when, we, when I was dealing with my, my leaf H2, is that hydrogen causes the fuel to burn faster in the combustion chamber. And because it does burn faster, less black carbon is produced or less particular matter is produced. So we can't prevent CO2 because we're gonna always burn fuel. At least, you know, we're gonna, we have, we're on a trajectory to burn fuel for a long time. But we can burn the fuel better. And that's one of the major tenets of my book. I actually have a book called Burn Fuel Better. We have to burn our fuel better so that we can reduce the amount of unburned fuel. Now, eventually, hydrogen and everything else will take over it because it's a clean way to, 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 to create energy. But that won't happen for decades. And so meanwhile, we're just burnt, we're creating this black carbon that's coated in the glaciers. What was it about hydrogen for you? I mean, I guess maybe it was just reading that book, but what was it? Why, why did you latch on to hydrogen the way you did? Okay, well, it turns out, and this is something that, that all humanity needs to understand at some point. Fossil fuel is here to stay. Now, I mean, anybody that thinks it's going away in the next 50 years, they're fooling themselves because there's so many things that are based on fossil fuel that we will never be able to get from away from. Even the fact that we can produce hydrogen vehicles, electric cars, it's all based on the fossil fuel infrastructure. That's not going away. So as long as we are creating all of these things that are going to be great for helping us to reduce carbon or uh, CO2, clean energy, it's still being made by the fossil fuel infrastructure. You know, So it turns out that I got into hydrogen because it dawned on me that we can reduce black carbon with it. Now, the beauty of hydrogen is that hydrogen usually has a future place. That's the way it's always been looked at. Oh, hydrogen in the future. And it is, but that future is a long way off relatively. But hydrogen can be used today to reduce black carbon to make our fuel burn better. Because we have to make the fuel burn better now. Because the black carbon that we create the, fo the fossil fuel energy infrastructure, and that's different from the industry. I don't want anybody to say I'm pointing fingers at the industry because I'm not. But the infrastructure is the reason why we're able to get on the internet, why that fan is going on in, in your background. Why, <laughs> I mean, it's because of, I mean, I'm in Las Vegas and it's hot as heck outside. And, but I'm in a cool environment because we have electricity being produced by this infrastructure. And the ships that come in, there's an 85% increase of black carbon in the Arctic over the last four years because of shipping. 
those things are not going away. And if anybody thinks we're going to convert all these electric, uh, this shipping to electric and the, and the navies, they are fooling themselves. Diesel engines and diesel fuel is here for a long time, but we have to learn how to burn it better. So, so Don Owen sees that and being the uh, pragmatist that you are, says to himself, all right, well, if, the, if this ain't going anywhere, and, and, and I appreciate that because let's call it what it is, they're, they're not. So <laughs> you decided, let's, let's make this better. Let's make this process cleaner, right? Which that seems to be kind of the taboo right now is that because it has been demonized to such an extent, it's like, well, we can't do anything with it. No, no, we can do something with it. And that's where gentlemen like Don Owens come into play. Tell us about what the Leaf H2 is and what it does. Okay, what the leaf H2 is, is it's a way that we can make the fuel using... Now, the beauty about the way the system works, it uses water. Everybody knows water. It's a very... Um, you could drink it, you know, <laughs> but... You should <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you should be but, drinking it, especially yeah. if you're in Vegas right now. <laughs> and uh, But it's H... It's two hydrogens and two and one oxygen, H2O. Okay. And what we do is we split. And I and I accidentally, even though the electrolysis has been, been known for decades, but I found an, uh, a different way to make it. Not that it's a unique way of making it, but it's a way to make it that's that's relatively clean. But you split up hydrogen and oxygen and the uh with water using a little bit of electricity. The hydrogen goes into the air intake of the engine and makes the engine burn just slightly faster in the, during the combustion cycle. And when it burns a little bit faster, it makes the fuel create less impurities or less unburned fuel. Now, the oxygen goes to the atmosphere, which is great, which is, you know, we love oxygen. Everybody likes oxygen. We need it to breathe. But that's the beauty of the, the LEAF H2. And the, and the reason why it's called LEAF, it actually means leveraging energy-efficient fuel with hydrogen but uh, it does what a leaf does, and that's what a leaf does. When a, when a leaf uh, is, is exposed to sunlight, it creates hydrogen. Like, it helps everything grow, but it actually produces that hydrogen and oxygen, just like a leaf. How long did you work on Leaf H2? And now, was a Leaf H2, so was that from the book? Is that what you created from the book, or did you kind of tweak that? Or how? To, tell us about the genesis, and I know all this came And And here's my question. What was the book? <laughs> that you read that kind of kickstarted all this. And obviously, I mean, I got to believe you weren't the only dude that read this book and did the author, yeah, yeah, not no, try to, no. did the author not try to put this damn thing together or what? Yeah, no. In fact, a lot of people read that book because uh, what that book was about was electrolysis and using water to create hydrogen and oxygen. That's what the book was about. But there was, there are different ways to create hydrogen and oxygen. And this particular electrolysis route that at the, that the book, uh, promoted was something that was going to that was never going to be commercialized. I found that out in the process of trying to commercialize, right? <laughs> but but in the process, why too, of, Why would it be commercialized? Because it's too complicated. It causes people to have to mix up chemicals, and the, uh, and the user is not going to do that. Okay, you know, I had okay. to mix things, and oh my goodness, it was just it was just too complicated. Gotcha. But. I found this uh, another elect electrolysis process. It's called a, a, PE, a PEM electrolyzer. It split up the water and the hydrogen. I mean, the, the hydrogen and oxygen without any user intervention, if you will. So all I needed was electricity, and then I could split it up into hydrogen and oxygen and basically make as much hydrogen as I wanted to. That process led to the development of the Leaf H2. 
even though I started with a different electrolysis process, the electrolysis process that I started with was never going to work. I didn't know it at the time until I found that out. But fortunately, one night I was looking at internet trying to figure out all the problems to overcome this this other system that I had, and I stumbled across an electrolyzer, which was a different way to make hydrogen. So what do you, and, and just kind of side question here, so what do you, when, when you're, you know, looking up all this electrolyzer and trying to figure out, what are you doing for a day job? Like, what are you doing during the day? Are you are you doing the law, were you doing as a patent lawyer during the day, and then, oh, you know, chemist and, yeah, and, and in fact, scientist at night? Time, <laughs> by the time I started, or at least, I mean, because at first I was in the garage, of course, and I was not doing anything other than various entrepreneurial pursuits because I had been in business for myself for years, uh, writing software for accounting software, you know, different things. So I would find ways to to make money other, other ways, but then I would be in the garage uh, working on this project. And so, uh, but a few years after I got started, I talked to a couple of friends and said, listen, you know, I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, well, I can, I can help you do that. I can help you do that. And so eventually I ended up developing kind of a large friends and family network. And uh, we, we had enough money to start going into the labs and, and start doing all the other stuff that we needed to do to make the project go. And so then how long did, uh, how long did you work on the Leaf H2 before you, and what, how long did you work on the Leaf H2? And then what was that eureka moment when you were like, okay, I got something here. Okay. All right. Now, in fact, it's interesting because it's an interesting question because the Leaf H2 is a not it's not a one size fit all solution, and that's one of the things I had to come to grips with. Uh, not so much come to grips as much as it was the reality of so many applications. I mean, there are literally thousands of combustion engine applications, and so. Uh, one of the things that uh, we were able to do because there were so many and so, and because we needed so much different hydrogen amounts, we created a system that we can vary the size of the electrolyzer just by varying components so that we can make uh, something that will fit a motorcycle and also something that will fit a, 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 a transport ship or a cargo ship. The same philosophy of splitting up the hydrogen and oxygen works, but you just need more of these components to make one work for a bigger engine. Okay. So that's one of the things that was kind of unique about what we had developed uh, was that we can make something that could work on anything. It d- didn't matter what size it was. Now, the spinoff of that and the beauty of that now is that we now can make hydrogen like that also. So we can, so the, the, so the hydrogen economy, which is a big thing right now. Oh, it's huge. Uh, it's huge. And it's, it's a direction that we obviously need to go in. But, uh, but that also is a, is a brand new field. And so, I mean, in terms of, it's a, it's a new industry, if you will. So it's a lot of space uh, for people to get into it. But at the same time, there is no real mass producible way to make hydrogen even now you know not a mass producible way yeah now 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 that's one of the things that we we think we have done at hnoi or hno green fuels uh, we think we've developed something that can kind of fit in that space that can develop hydrogen for almost any application between for charging stations 
for hydrogen refueling stations, because uh, we can make the electrolyzer. That the same leaf technology that we use to make our electrolyzer is what we can use in the in the hydrogen space to make hydrogen for di these different applications. So that's why we're now in the hydrogen business. But I still think it's hydrogen for the future and hydrogen for the present. And so the present hydrogen is what we need to use for the internal combustion engines, particularly the larger ones. I got to believe then that given the scrutiny that you know, automakers. And of course, it's a different deal, right? Because you, obviously a lot of automakers now are kind of pivoting to electric vehicles. And oh, yeah. so that'll kind of yeah. dovetail into my next question. But to yeah. your point, I mean, let's call it what it is. Um, and, and look, I work with a company right now that, that that tracks EVs. And so, I mean, look, they're proliferating. I mean, you know, I'm not telling you that you don't already know. I mean, these things are, are, are growing like weeds. But you know, the problem is, as we've alluded to, the infrastructure's not there, right? And so, and then let's, let's also call it what it is. EVs ain't cheap. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I think the cheapest ones like what the Chevy Bolt. All right. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you drove a Ford Fiesta back in the day, you know what those are like. All right. And I don't know about you, but I ain't trying to drive a Ford Festive. OK, so, you know, I want to I like my four door sedan. OK. And so, you know, ice engine cars aren't going anywhere. So I got to believe that automakers are in, in some way and, 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 you know, maybe you've talked to them already. Maybe you haven't. But I, I'm guessing you have. You know, how does how does the Leaf H2 work with the, I mean, you kind of talked a little bit how it works, but how does it apply? Like, how does that work? And what's kind of the conversations you've had to where we can start to make it be a, a normalized mainstream type of technology? Yes. That's a very, 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 very good question because those issues are very, the, the automobile industry politically can't talk about internal combustion engines. They don't, they can't talk about it because it's politically a disaster, even though they will be making them for decades, all right? <laughs> because of the reality of who's buying them. They will be making them. Now, but they're all but that that industry also is not my target because they do have they do have systems, if you will, that minimizes some of the pollution on cars, on internal combustion engine cars. They have diesel particular filters, they have a few other things that can really work that kind of minimizes, it's, it's called after treatment. Now, but in these larger engines, the generators, the ships, the uh, the tugboats, they have nothing. They don't have anything that minimizes anything. They just create unburned fuel out the yin-yang, and there's no way to prevent it. That's my target. Those guys are the ones that need to be retrofitted with a solution that can at least minimize the amount of black carbon that they're creating. You think about a tugboat, you know, an electric tugboat, yeah, that'd be nice, but it's not going to happen. And there are thousands of these things. Trust me, I'm in Houston. I see, I, I, like I said, I was in the marine inspection business. So, you know, those going in the Gulf and up and down the Mississippi River, yeah, tugboats ain't going anywhere anytime soon. They're not going anywhere. And there's not, there, you know, in fact, I have a, I have a, my book is called Burn Fuel Better. Uh, there's a chapter in the book called Pissing in the Wind, right? Now, now, <laughs> now, it's called Pissing in the Wind because any solution to climate change that does not involve black carbon, if it does not address black carbon, You're pissing in it's the wind. pissing in the wind, all right? <laughs> I mean, it literally, because we can't do anything until we address it. And, and right now, all of the EVs, none of them address, even because you even need the infrastructure to build the EVs. Yeah. 
You know, I, I was looking at a commercial, I mean, a, a, a little a video clip the other day. They had this big uh, um, uh, a truck, a transport truck, carrying one blade of a windmill, one blade. And it was going all throughout the countryside. It's huge, but it was one blade of a windmill. And that was all fossil fuel. That diesel truck was running on fossil, you know, and eventually it's going to be assembled. So the, the net negative that you have, even before you get the thing assembled, is incredible. Even It's going to take years before that windmill will make enough energy to even justify its existence. But it's still, it's still justified. But, you know, you know but, but we need to understand that that's where the problem is. And, we, and until we address it, we're really not going to do much against climate change. What's been the feedback from the shipping industry? Because, again, we know and look, we've all been caught up in this supply chain issue. I mean, it's 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 dogged this country. It's dogged the world uh, for the better part of the last almost two years now. What's been kind of their reception of your technology? Well, see, this is the thing. And, and this is part that I have another organization called the Black Carbon Coalition. And one of the things that its objective is to organize all humanity about black carbon and to develop a fund, if you will, so that we can start building uh, or at least developing these applications for these ships. Because the ships are not, those are not little bitty applications. Those are pretty pretty huge applications. And it's going to require some engineering, a lot of engineering work. It's, it's, it's quite a bit that's going to be required in order to, uh, to get it. Now, and the shipping industry is open. Don't get me wrong. Okay, they so they're, recept they're receptive to your technology. They're receptive. But at the same time, there still have to be certifications. There's all, a whole list of other things that need to be put in place by their peers, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so you know you have a you have a, a, a company like Caterpillar that makes these big old engines. Caterpillar needs to be in on the deal, you know, because uh, they're going to be making these engines for a long time. But Caterpillar needs to know, hey, if I put hydrogen in my engine, is it going to destroy it? Is it going to make things weak? I mean, I, they don't know any of that stuff yet. And so, but, and they deserve to know it. But that's part of the, uh, of the funding, if you will, that's going to be required in order to get this implemented. This is, I like to look at this like a, um, uh, I don't know if, it, uh, what is that? Uh, oh, man, what was that? Manhattan Project. The Manhattan okay. Project of, of Black Carbon. Okay. okay, because it was a focus toward at that time that, an atom bomb. That bomb, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. It was a focus, and uh, and it was it was a focus for a good legitimate reason, arguably. Okay, but uh, but seems to be a pretty good reason what we got going on right now, doesn't it? Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it, it, that's because it, it, you could are, argue this is national security, is it not? It is. It is. It is. It absolutely. If we don't do anything about climate change, or particularly black carbon, and if, if you ever go to my website or anything else, you'll see these images that are just horrifying. Yeah. About what's going on with with the, with with the Arctic and every place else, and so, but that's all black carbon, and that's all principally from the shipping industry, particularly in the in the Arctic. But it's, you can't just blame the shipping industry also. But it's everything that we do. I mean, you have countries like Nigeria that 85% of their uh, power comes from generators. Yeah. and that, But that's not unusual. It's, it's the same in India. It's a whole bunch of places where that's common. Mm -hmm. So we have to burn our fuel better. We must burn our fuel better. 
because we're going to we're going to always be creating this this black carbon. Why have you had such a difficult time getting this message out to folks? Well, you know, I would I wouldn't say it was difficult per se. It's a new message. Okay. You know, how, I, how I, long I've have had, you been pushing the black? And, and real quick, where can people find the black co- uh, black carbon coalition at? What's the okay. website? Well, they can find. Well, they can go to Don Climate Owens for information about my book. Okay. They can go to burnfuelbetter.com for information about my book. They can go to blackcarboncoalition.org to find out about what we're trying to do to organize people about and around black carbon. But it wasn't until last year, this time, I think it was about maybe January or February last year, then it dawned on me that there was a correlation between what we can reduce in terms of particular matter and black carbon. Because that... I didn't know what black carbon was. Most people have never heard of black carbon. Prior to hearing it from Don Owens, and again, I've talked to folks from, again, all over the energy spectrum, both oil and gas, and and again, even renewables, right? Which you would think that would be a renewable rallying cry. So why do you think black carbon has fallen under the wayside from a mainstream approach as one of the things that is so detrimental to climate change when it just feels like you would think for as destructive as it is, we would sure know a hell of a lot more about it. Well, you know, it's scientists do. All the scientists do know, you know, but the scientists aren't exactly the biggest marketers. Of I was going to say, I mean, have you talked to a scientist lately? <laughs> have you talked to a scientist lately? <laughs> I mean, again, not that they don't have great information, yeah, but man, yeah. I mean, come on. No, that's right. Yeah, their communication skills are not at the A little different. A little different than you and me, maybe. (laughs) But that is the reason. I mean, literally, if you talk to any David Attenborough, any scientist or anybody that knows that space, they know black carbon is a problem. Okay. They know it, but they don't know what they're, they don't know that there is something that can be done about it. So what you're telling me is black carbon needs a better hype man, is what you're telling me. Oh, yes, they do. It does. I mean, in, in fact... My pitch is that black carbon is the enemy of the planet. And that's what I want people to understand. That's a bold statement right there, my man. No, it is. Because unless and until people understand that and internalize that, it will continue to kick our butts. And But we don't know that right now. But it's important that, that if people were to know it and they would begin to understand why it why it's so dangerous, why it causes all these problems, then they will be able to focus on it. human beings can do freaking anything. Yeah. I mean, we can do anything. But if we don't know what the problem is, we don't know that we need to attack the problem. But that's what that's what that's what the message is. That's why people need to understand that black carbon is the enemy of the planet. All right, we'll start winding this thing down. And and Don, I, I feel like you and I could be talking. We we could talk about any number of different things. Maybe we'll uh, we'll, we'll start a black carbon podcast at some point because uh, I'd I'd love to be a part of that. But a um, couple things. One, and, and like I said, we'll we'll touch on kind of what H and O's got going on for the rest of twenty twenty two and what's kind of on the the immediate horizon. Um, but l- let me ask you this. And so 
you know, we, we know about renewable energy, we know about clean energy, we know about oil and gas as far as, um, you know, from a diversity standpoint, oil and gas has been lambasted for its lack of diversity. Renewables, you know, have done a good job of telling people that they're diverse. But the reality is, and the numbers show that, um, and I was sharing this with uh, Amanda before the, the program, and I'd heard this in I don't, some webinar, you know, um, 82%, 80 to 82%, somewhere in there, of, of renewable energy is dominated by white males, okay? Um, you being a black man in this industry, I mean, you just don't see a lot of black men or women in the renewable clean tech space. Mm -hmm. And so, one, my hat's off to you for being a pioneer in this industry, not from what you're, not just from what you're doing as mm -hmm. far as yeah. this leap age 2 but what you're doing yeah. just as a black man in the clean tech space. So my hat's off to you from that standpoint. What has your journey been like and how have, I mean, have you, I'm guessing the answer is yes. Have you faced issues where being a black man talking about hydrogen, maybe you've probably been, you know, shunned and or just not let into the conversation for that reason? No, I don't, I don't think so. Because, okay. uh, I mean, I honestly don't think so because I, uh, one of the, one of the uh, significant things that happened once I discovered what black carbon was, and it was truly a, it was like a light bulb. I mean, I, I was I was actually writing a I was writing a, a little speech for this uh, this panel for Davos, and I had to organize what I had done in the last ten years on all of this. And it dawned on me when I was doing that speech that wait a minute, we cut particulate matter by fifty percent. Black carbon is particulate matter. We cut black carbon by fifty percent. So it was. I mean, and so when I and, and and black carbon is fifteen hundred times worse than CO two. Now, when it dawned on me that that was the reality, that was the truth, I just start telling people that I knew what I would run into about what I discovered, and that's how I discovered about. That's how I met this woman that said, "Don, you need to write a book." I said, "I don't have time to write a book. How am I going to write a book?" She said, "Well, I can help you," and she just happened to be a publicist. All right. And so, and she said, I can help you do it in 90 days. I said, what? She said, I'll get you some ghostwriters. We can help you. I said, okay, because I needed to be able to tell the story. Yeah. I mean, when I was telling her, she was like, you need to tell this story. And I said, I said, okay. And so that's how the book came about. That's how Burn Fuel Better came out? That's how Burn Fuel Better came now, out. Now, when did Burn Fuel Better come out? When did that book drop? Uh, it actually dropped last, uh, I think it was maybe September, October. Okay. What's, so the, been what's, been, what's the feedback been? Oh, it's been very positive. Okay, anybody, anybody that reads it, they like it. As it's they really should. As they should like it. Look, <laughs> it's, it's, hey, look if the book good. sounds anything like you talk, I, got, I, guarantee, it's a, I, I guarantee it's a quick read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty good book. But that was the reason that uh, this woman that I met, said, Don, you need to write a book. You need to, people need to understand the story. They need to understand what black carbon is. You're the only ones. That, and again, I am really the only one that knows and understands black carbon because of the journey that I went to discover how we can reduce it. Not about black carbon, but how we can reduce it. Because everybody that, that uh, any scientist, like I said, they all know. If you talk to anybody at NOAA or any, NML, they yeah. all know. That's incredible. What incredible. they don't know is what we can do to, to burn fuel better. That's what they and that's don't where, know. And that's where our boy Don Owens comes in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, who's a better public speaker, you or Burgess? 
Well, I would have to say, uh, I don't know, Burgess is pretty good. You know. <laughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Who's better who's better getting out of trouble? You or Burgess? Oh, getting out of trouble? Yeah. I think that was me. That was you. I getting can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, last didn't really get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you, you strike me a little more of a rabble rouser. I can appreciate that. <laughs> 30,000-foot pitch from Don Owens on kind of the current state of, of electricity and, and power generation. What was What is one thing that you would do to kind of fix things? If you had to, you know, if, if we said, here, Don, fix this right now, what would Don do? And then number two, just give us a little primer for uh, what we can expect from H&O F- Green Fuels the rest of 2022. What's on your horizon? Okay. Well, uh, you know, I, I have to confess, and I think uh, most people have begun to realize the hydrogen really is the way. Uh, you know, we can't really depend on lithium batteries. I think even Elon, I think I remember reading something the other day that Elon was talking about going into hydrogen vehicles in 2024 or something. So, uh, but the infrastructure is not there, but the infrastructure needs to be built. And um, uh, so hydrogen is clean, <laughs> but right now, you know, fossil fuel industry is the reason why we have hydrogen, right? <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh, uh, the fossil fuel energy infrastructure, I'm sorry, not the industry, but the infrastructure is the reason why we have hydrogen. But uh, as long as we are moving in the right direction with hydrogen, and I think that is a good direction because it does, it, it can produce very clean uh, energy um, uh, without carbon, without black carbon or without any kind of carbon. Uh, the, you know, the, the byproduct of a fuel cell is water. So there are lots of positive things about moving in, into the hydrogen direction. But what we can't forget is how vast this infrastructure is. Most people have no idea how vast the, the fossil fuel energy infrastructure is. In fact, uh, I, I, I had given an analogy once in a speech about Voyager. You know, we sent, we sent out Voyager years ago, about 40 years ago, and it's been going 40,000 miles an hour for the last 40 years, and it hasn't even reached the tip of our solar system. It hadn't even reached it, and it'll take, it, it's, 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 it's just now made it to the end, what they call the Oort cloud, the inner section of the Oort cloud. And it's gonna take another 40,000 years before it gets to the outer edge. That's vast. That is really the meaning of vastness. But that's But most people don't realize that that's how the fossil fuel energy infrastructure is. It's vast. It's in every piece of our lives. And it's what's creating all of the black carbon. So we have to address that vast infrastructure. Now, it's again, that's where human beings can, can shine. That's where we've always, we always shine mm-hmm. when we are given a, a, an obstacle. But that's the knowledge that we all have to understand. And once we do understand it, we can attack it. And then we can start doing something about moving toward the future, but also fixing the present. Because if we don't fix the present, we're going to have a pretty horrible future. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you ain't lying about that. You got that right. Um, HNO Green Fuels. Obviously, the Leaf H2 is is uh, blowing and going right now. Obviously, you're working on what talking to the mm-hmm. talking to engine companies or what have you. Is it all? Is it ready for mass distribution? Or where where are we kind of at with the uh, distribution of the Leaf H2? No, the Leaf the Leaf H2 is ready for. Custom applications for okay. larger applications, gotcha. for, large, for larger engines, because the uh, the smaller engine applications are not uh, worth. Uh, well, it's it's worth it, but it's just 
not yeah. It's just not economically viable. Right, right, okay. right, right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair and enough. The, but the, the large engines are the ones that are creating all the problems, and that's where it needs to be attacked. And they also don't have any any mechanism right now to reduce black carbon. They just create it. And 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 again, it's not because they just want to be horrible creators of black carbon. It's that we need what they got. Exactly. You know, we <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean uh, the, the the supply chain, I mean, look, we you know, if we yes. if you ordered anything off Amazon yesterday, chances are that's, that's right. <laughs> that thing came from somewhere, you know? Yeah. So okay, so real quick then, so is it what is Don Owens what can the, the the power connect? What can be done to get that so that we're so that we're getting the leaf H two on these large applications? So it's it becomes instead of becoming a novelty or becoming something that, that, that you know it's oh that'd be great to have to where it's okay it's just secondary. You already know that you're gonna have a leaf H two on top of that thing. Right. Right. Well, it's it's all education. It's all knowledge. Uh, right now, like I said, uh, very few people even heard of black carbon. Most people don't know the, the, the devastating effects that it's having on our climate and on our glaciers. Uh, and one they do know, and it's, I, I mean, and again, it's all about education right now because black carbon truly is the enemy of the planet. It's just like in the movies, those movies that we saw uh, when, the, when the aliens attack the United States, the world, and all humanity gets together, you know, yeah. to fight. That's what we have to do. That's, that's what you're, that's it what you're is trying that to do. Level. You're Will it Smith right now. Level. You're Will yeah. Smith is what you're is what yeah. you're saying. All right, I can appreciate that. Well, as long as I'm not Chris Rock, we're okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Uh, if folks want to know more about H and O Green Fuels, where do they need to go? Okay, they can go to H and O Greenfuels.com. They can go to uh, let's see, H and O Greenfuels.com is that major uh, place. Uh, H&O International is a public company we have that's distributing some of the H&O green fuel products and, and, and applications. And then uh, just as a shameless plug, you know, the book is burnfuelbetter.com. Okay. Uh, uh, the website is donclimateowens.com. And uh, I, that's about it. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Don Owens. I told you guys that was going to be a fun podcast, and it certainly was entertaining, fun, and you learned a lot about black carbon than you probably ever thought you knew before the show started. As for the show, Power Connect, give us a follow, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all right, and always go to the website and listen to it as well, powerconnect.net. Look, we're only two episodes deep, ladies and gentlemen, so the archives aren't big yet. Give us a follow. You will be glad that you did. Two shows in, so far so good. Leave us a five-star rating. We're trying to build this thing up, so give us a five-star rating because I think we've done a pretty decent job so far. Shout-out to my folks over at RS Metrics, Manish Sagar, and the entire crew. We've got some projects we're working on that we're very excited about. They're going to be coming on, online here pretty soon. Also, too, look, geospatial data, EV tracker, ESG. It's happening right now. You need data to make better informed decisions. RS Metrics is that solution. Go to rsmetrics.com today. Give us a follow. Talk to us. We'll get you squared away on that front. And then, of course, a huge shout-out, as always, to Melissa Miller and the entire crew over at Clean Techs, the premier clean tech and renewable energy nonprofit in the state of Texas, building something tremendous over here. we got Gridnex Dallas going down September 22nd. You don't want to miss that. Join the best business network when it comes to renewable energy and clean tech in the state. Don't miss out. Cleantext.org. Check it out today. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Oh,